0: What's up, guys? My name is Chris Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Position. Sacrifices. you got to make sacrifices with your team. To answer your question.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Position with me, Tom Halpin. Today's episode is part two of a conversation with Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt and winner of The Ultimate Fighter, Chris Holdsworth. Chris shared some great insight on his experience competing and ultimately winning The Ultimate Fighter. Chris also shared some great advice for up and coming jujitsu and MMA fighters. And we also had a nice discussion about technique at the end. I hope you all enjoy the conversation. If I say to you, ultimate fighter, what comes to mind? How was that experience?
0: It, it was a great experience, you know, because I won. I'm sure if I lost, I would tell you that it it's fucking horrible. But yeah, it's definitely one of my highlights in, in my competitive career. For me, I think it, it, it was perfect, perfect timing as far as like where I was at in life and uh, where I was at with my training and um, just everything kind of aligned, like the stars aligned perfectly. I felt like I was already ready for the UFC at that time. And I just was like looking for my opportunity and the, the ultimate fighter came and, uh, you know, wanted to try out. And crazy thing is there's like over 200 contestants and we all line up, we get there early and we all get a number. And I wow. ended up getting number 18, which was like the number of the season, which was pretty crazy. I just think about little shit like that. I'm like, damn, that's, that was kind of like a coincidence, but it was cool, man. Cause like you go in and you don't kind of know what to expect. You know, you're going to probably do an interview or have to grapple somebody and, uh, you get in there, like they pull you into groups and, you know, Sean Shelby and all the matchmakers you're in a big group of like 40 people they are like, all right, you guys got 90 seconds, um, start on your knees or whatever like and it's just a grapple you, you got 90 seconds to try to tap this dude you know it's so like you just do your best to try to like tap this guy And like i remember uh i just sat to my butt arm dragged him got to his back he tried to like stand up and i just like just doing the body trying on the back and then tapped him like standing and there, everybody was like pretty uh it was pretty quick but and then we go into the mitt session and i literally threw like three punches this guy who's never held mitts for me and they're like all right you're good so once you get past that you go into like the next form of interviews which is like all the producers and I get I, they probably just want to see if you can talk you know like yeah. you're not stupid and like you, you can probably you know talk on camera but um it was it was a great experience man like just going on like at that time that's all I was doing I was training and and living that life so for me going into a house for 6 weeks without my phone like I was like bring it like I know I was focused like I was so focused and uh, I was like, nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna stop me from winning this show.
1: And what kind of things would you be doing around the house? Because I know you're not allowed to bring a lot of things with you. I heard Ryan Hall say in an interview before that he brought the Quran and the Bible in with him. And I was like, Jesus, Ryan must be fairly bored now if he's bringing, if he's bringing Damn, the Quran. Damn, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. They told us we only can bring like a picture or two and a notebook. So I, I wrote in my journal a lot. I would journal all my training sessions, what I ate, how my, how I was feeling, what my weight was morning, night. And then I would, for the most part, try to train in between extra, like if we were able to run outside or go in the pool or that's kind of what I did. I just, a lot, I kind of kept to myself, <laughs> just focused. It was the first season with the
1: girls as well. I just remembered that there.
0: Yeah, man. And that was like a dynamic too. Like first season. Oh, with so you women. were busy
1: enough. I'd say, <laughs> yeah. right how was that dynamic though
0: i'm sure it was better than having 16 dudes in there (laughs) um but no it definitely helped like just being able to like flirt with the girls and you know what's funny about that is like i randomly just saw an episode uh, and i haven't watched it since it came out but like uh roxanne modafari is like giving me a back rub and like i remember i just like and i was i was like oh my god you just like looking at myself back then i'm just like it's funny i'm just kind of like (laughs) what <laughs> a fucking kid man i was a kid
1: <laughs> yeah you look very young in it you look about 16 years old yeah it.
0: yeah i still I, I feel like i still still have like a baby face but um back then man I, I felt like i was really uh like really young
1: and how was the tension between misha and ronda because they were the two coaches it seemed intense enough at times
0: yeah uh man Rhonda's just an intense person in general like um uh, like when people always ask me they're like hey how much of uh how much of the show is scripted. And I'm like, only thing that was scripted was the times we were training, you know, like we were trained twice a day. And that's the only thing that was scripted, everything else, the drama outside, the talks, the beef between fighters, like none of that was scripted. Um, I, I got a little annoyed of all the drama, like Rhonda kept trying to do with Misha. And now that like, I see what was happening. She was just trying to sell a fight. You know, she was just trying to get in Misha's head the whole time so you know it worked out for her you know she beat misha twice i was never that type of fighter though but like nowadays as you as, as you're seeing like that's what makes people money like the talking the shit the calling people out the antics i i, I was never that type of you know uh fighter i always try to like be humble and and and, and go that route but Maybe nowadays I'll be talking more shit.
1: <laughs> I think what people really like is just people who keep it real and be honest. Because I think some people mix yeah. up uh, with Connor, like they think they think everyone likes Connor because he talks shit, and that's part of it. But I think really what it is is because he he's himself to the max, maybe a little bit above max. So yeah. like people love Nate Diaz as well, even if he doesn't talk shit, because you know he's keeping it real. Like people love Brian Ortega as well, for example, and he's much more respectful. But he's keeping it real as well.
0: You know, I used to train with Brian, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. back in the T City days. Man, even before the T City, well, maybe he already had T City. But like, um, I don't know how many years Brian is younger than me. But when I was at the Gracie Academy, he was always like, still like, not yet grown into his body. Um yeah. So it's just funny, like, just watching him grow. I just remember every year he was getting better and bigger and stronger, and I'm just like. Like, the last year or, like, maybe the last few months I was there, I was like, dude, he's turning into an adult now. Like, he's giving me fucking issues, you know what I mean? (laughs) And just seeing him, like, blossom into what he is today, like, it's fucking awesome.
1: It must be crazy to see how far he's come.
0: Yeah, man, it is. Yeah, he's another exciting fighter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love people who who use jiu-jitsu or just finishers in general. Like, they can finish you on the ground or finish you standing. Like, I'm a huge fan of that.
1: Do you play any video games at all? Are you much of a video game guy?
0: No, man. Honestly, uh, I just don't have time, dude. Like, just I would much rather watch a John Donaher instructional. Or I actually got your instructional too. Your your X guard. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, to your heel hook, dude. I really, I've actually been working on that knee bar setup. From that, I won't give it away, but you, you can yeah. explain it better than I could.
1: No, the knee bar stuff is good. That's probably the part of it that I'm most proud of because that helped me win a lot of matches and win a lot of matches against people who probably should have beaten me at the time.
0: Yeah. A lot of those details are just like your head positioning on that, on that foot, like really like using that head to twist that foot a little bit. That's money, dude. What happened
1: with developing the knee bar was I was doing a lot of heel hooks training for ADCC trials when I was a brown belt. And then after the trials, I wanted to do Nogi Worlds. So I had to think, okay, I've spent all this time working on what was the saddle at the time? I didn't even really know it was the saddle. I think I'd seen Eddie Cummings do it or something. And heel hooks. So I said, how can I change this into knee bars? So I was thinking, okay, I'm really good at getting and controlling the saddle. So how can I, instead of heel hook, just do a knee bar? And I just kind of played around with it and figured it out. And then all of a sudden I was submitting everyone with it. Like I wasn't even training in the gi at all. And my first year at Black Belt, I ended up submitting a lot of people in the gi with the the saddle entries and the knee bar and all my training partners used to joke that I was, that I was just doing no gi in the gi. Sometimes in training (laughs) I wouldn't even, I would never (laughs) grab the sleeve. Sometimes I'd grab the collar and most of the time I would just play no gi wearing a gi.
0: Now, do you think you did that intentionally or you just was so used to not grabbing the gi?
1: I think it was a bit of both. I think in training it was intentional because my main focus was on no gi. And I was thinking, okay, I only train maybe once a day, so I don't want to waste a day of training playing spider guard that I'm never going to use in my career, let's say. But then when I had some big competitions coming up, like, um funny enough, actually, my first competition at black belt was, um, the Spanish nationals and I wanted to do the nogi, but no one signed up. So I did the gi one and I won and I submitted the guy in the final with a knee bar
0: <laughs> and then from that same position. Yeah. And then I won <laughs> another
1: competition i won another competition in uh amsterdam and it was i won the it was kind of the under 80 kilo absolute submitted i think two or three guys with knee bars there as well and then i had qualified for the world pro in the gi in abu dhabi and now i'm thinking oh my god i'm after qualifying for the world pro and i don't even really train in the gi so (laughs) then i spent then i spent like a full month kind of adding in some different things like using the belt a lot using using the collar and adding it into my no-gi game. And it actually worked. It worked pretty well. So hopefully in the future, I might make a return to the gi. Do you ever train in the gi at all anymore?
0: Yeah, man. I I teach four classes a week in the gi and uh, I try to roll in the majority of them. I feel like I am rolling more no-gi just because just working with all the MMA guys and the MMA practices, it's just what it is. Some people might think I'm just a a no-gi guy or whatever, but people who really know me knew I I came up in the gi and um i i enjoy i definitely enjoy the gi
1: the reason i was asking a minute ago about the video games is i was wondering did you make it into the ufc video game
0: dude i don't know how i made it in but did I made you make it, it in yeah i made it in a couple of them uh and i was just like cool like <laughs> that must I, have
1: been a cool moment
0: yeah um yeah it was it was weird i, I didn't know i was gonna make it in at all and but I'm, I'm not complaining you know i was i think they were paying us like well they paid me 2500 bucks for a couple years like coming out but Ooh. i don't care about the money man That was just cool being yeah. in a game like i think oh, i still yeah. have the games in the plastic just to kind of like save and uh, show my kids maybe one day like hey your dad was in a video game
1: <laughs> that's amazing it's actually the ufc the fir- very first ufc video game is one of the main reasons i got into jujitsu
0: no way yeah, who's on because- the cover of that one? Oh, I can't remember. I think it was was
1: THQ. I think it was Chuck. Yeah. Maybe Shogun and Chuck.
0: Ah, okay. I think I remember. So what happened was, yeah.
1: So what happened was I was on holidays with one of my friends down in like an Irish beach town and we were playing this video game. I think it was a demo for it even. He would always be Chuck Liddell and I would always be Shogun. (laughs) And we didn't know how to play. We didn't know how to play. So we just end up throwing punches and he would always knock me out. Because he was Chuck Liddell and he was a better striker <laughs> in, in the game. And I was obviously competitive enough at the time and I was pretty pissed off because I kept losing and it, it, the winner got to pick who they would be. So I never got to win to actually pick Chuck Liddell so that I could win. <laughs> so then him and a few, of the, a few of the other lads were going swimming one day down at the beach and I was like, oh, I'm not feeling great, lads. I'm going to stay back at the house, work away. So I stayed at the house and... I was reading the manual and doing the tutorials on the game and learning how to fight on the ground.
0: That's crazy. And then
1: when he came back, I just started. There was no more striking with Shogun. I used to keep taking him down and submitting him, and he didn't have a clue about the submissions. And then I was thinking, this is pretty cool. (laughs) Then I just got a bit more into it over the next year. I used to watch the UFCs, and then I realized there was a jiu-jitsu club in my city, so I went and gave it a go, and here we are.
0: That's awesome, man. What year was that? That was,
1: it was probably 2010. I started getting into it and I started training then at the beginning of 2011. So it's not really that long ago. It's how, just, how old are you now? I'm 27 now. 27. So I started when I was 17. Yeah.
0: Cool, man. Yeah. I started when I was like 16. I just turned 16. It's sort of like my first jiu-jitsu class.
1: And we were both probably small.
0: Yeah. That's a good age. Oh, I was, dude, I was so scrawny and small. Yeah. All I, all my guard, I would just be on my back, just trying to triangle people with my long legs.
1: i was the exact same i started with mma actually and i did this after maybe three months of training i did this competition in ireland called the mma league so it was like amateur mma on mats with no punches to the head so there was like kicks knees punches to the body whatever i think i didn't even throw a strike i just guillotined two people and that was the extent of my mma career
0: (laughs) well no actually uh you did combat worlds i I consider that mma as well
1: I suppose it's kind of dipping your toe in there, but yeah. I didn't even hit anyone.
0: Did you do that to showcase your jiu-jitsu?
1: I did it, like, obviously is a big prestigious event. It's basically EBI. I always wanted to do EBI and try and win. And then for the combat jiu-jitsu, I just had the idea that I want to showcase my jiu-jitsu. Because I remember when I was a white belt and I used to train MMA, I used to do more submissions in the MMA class than the jiu-jitsu class. Because anytime someone tried to punch me, I would just put them in a triangle. Or they would be trying, they would be focused on the wrong things and they would yeah. expose themselves to something. It should have been a competition that I was more nervous for, but I was actually less nervous. And I remember even during it, some guy was hitting me in the body and I was looking over at Eddie Bravo on the sidelines and we, we were kind of laughing at each other, you know, and then I <laughs> swept him with a butterfly sweep or something. But it was, yeah. it was a great experience. And I was actually really happy to show that jiu-jitsu works itself, you know.
0: Yeah, man. I was amazed honestly I was just like dude who's this who's this d- dude like you know who's <laughs> this weird Irish guy <laughs> I was always like, oh, from Ireland too like what are they doing down there <laughs> yeah
1: everyone was pretty hyped about it I think because no one no one really expected me to win they probably didn't really know who I was and Eddie was <laughs> yeah it's out a great platform
0: line. too I'm sure um a lot of people found out about you after that yeah um, including myself and Um, yeah, it's cool. Like Eddie has such a huge platform, all his, all his events and it being on fight pass and everything else. Like these guys don't know what they have nowadays, man. Like they they have a great platform to showcase their jujitsu.
1: And even myself, like it was much harder for you. I'd say when I, when I was starting off, the main things I used to learn from were the old Ryan Hall DVDs, his, his back attacks DVDs and deep half guard and things.
0: Dude, he's a wizard, man. Like he was so ahead of his time. And I'm, he's still ahead of his time, you know what I mean? But like back then, like, especially at like Purple Bell, Brown Bell, like he was ahead of his time, man. Just he, I I don't know what he did previously before jujitsu, whatever he did, like his brain just fires differently.
1: And now you're getting into more of a coaching role recently. I was wondering how you've kind of adapted to being a coach and what kind of things you take from other competitors and coaches.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been lucky to um, be around a lot of good coaches and, and be around a lot of different styles of teaching. And I, I think that's important because, you know, everyone teaches differently and everyone runs a class differently. Uh, they break down moves, details. They might show you something different. You know, I think it helped me out, like, seeing all the different styles of teaching, seeing how Henner and Hedon teach and how they break things down, seeing how Mark teach you know, seeing how Frangina, you know, uh, Jeff and Bill's instructor taught them and what, what he did in his classes. And I kind of see like what helped me retain stuff and what, like, what worked for me, but not every time what worked for me is going to work for you or vice versa to all the other people. So I try to, um, blend all the teaching styles I've seen and, and and make it into like my own style. And, you know, luckily I've been, do teaching since purple belt like cool thing about jiu-jitsu is like if your instructor like brings you up correctly he's probably gonna have you teaching like at blue and purple belt like you're gonna be helping with classes and that's just kind of like how jiu-jitsu is yeah. like, you're teaching at like purple belt every time you teach you try to get a little bit better you try to you know fix certain things and then i watch John john or Donner, Hers dvds and i'm just like the fuck am i doing <laughs> being able to like, see how he teaches now and all the, all the stuff we were available, like we can see now just, I think has, has helped me a lot as well as an instructor. Um, you know, I thought like I was a pretty good instructor beforehand, but like now that I've really focusing on, on becoming a better coach and better instructor, it's just, I feel like it's all starting to come, come together. Like I'm able to explain things a lot better and, uh, put practices together a lot. Uh, more efficient and just break things down better in general.
1: That seems like one of the more difficult things for MMA is actually structuring the training because there's so many different things to do. When I think if I was an MMA fighter, I don't know how I would get all the work in that I feel like I need to do without being overtrained.
0: Yeah, it's hard, man. And 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 yeah, probably my jiu jitsu, you know, um I, I couldn't focus on my jiu jitsu Nothing but my jiu-jitsu all these years. I had to focus on my striking and everything else. So things are going to end up, you know, falling back a little bit. Um, and then th- other things get better. So your, your full or all-around game starts blending in better. But, yeah, I had to focus a lot on my striking and, and kickboxing and trying to use my range, my kicks. And everyone's got, like, a different style and different body type. So I think it's important to figure out, like, what works for you, you know, what moves you like and what moves you feel like you know you hit the most and you're most comfortable with and then you try to build a game off of that type of style and then you're gonna have your a game your b game your a b c moves that uh, you can always fall back on in, in transitions and and stuff like that but it's hard in the beginning like i had a guy yesterday asked me like man like i'm coming from a wrestling background I'm like how do i make my time most efficient and i'm like yeah. Dude, since you already have the wrestling background, you need to put all your time right now into striking and, and, and closing the distance to get your takedowns because you're not going to be able to tie up people with collar ties or hand fight. It's like totally different when we fight. Like we're trying to punch each other's heads off and kick and knee and elbow. So you, just, you can't set up takedowns like you can do in, in a wrestling match or in a grappling match. So just learning how to blend all that together has um, it, it, been, been a whole other task in itself.
1: I suppose you have so much experience doing the MMA as well. That probably helps you a lot being a coach. Like, for example, with the guy who came and asked you advice, if you didn't have any experience at all fighting, it might be harder for him to soak in the advice. But I think one of the biggest parts of coaching that people overlook, you know, there's a lot of attention nowadays on being a good instructor, like good at showing the moves and have 10,000 details. But I think really, once you get to the high level, it's rare to have a coach who has real fighting experience, you know.
0: I, I totally agree with you. Um, it definitely helps. Like I've, I've been there. I've been in those positions. So like, I, I know what works and I'm a student, I'm a student of the game too. So like, I'm, I'm constantly like watching fights and I'm breaking stuff down and I'm always trying to learn, man. Like I, I try to keep a white belt mentality, like in everything yeah. in life, man. Like I'm not, I'm not a black belt. Like I'm a white belt. Like I'm always willing to learn or, or hear you out or show me something you think will work better like i'm all for it because maybe it will work better maybe it'll spark a thought in my head that like oh wait why am i doing it this way like there's been plenty of times where like i'll show a move and then a student will ask me like hey chris like why did you or why was your thumb and i was like man i didn't even notice my thumb was there or like you don't notice certain things and you just you miss those little details but sometimes those little details can mean can mean a lot to somebody
1: And I know as well, you've dealt with some injuries that have kept you away from fighting. I'm not going to go into that too much, but I was just wondering outside of fighting, has there been any positives to that? Like, has it taught you anything else about outside life? Maybe because I know myself injuries are one of the things that I'm most, I wouldn't say afraid of, but I'm always trying to not have them. And I know it wouldn't be the end of the world, but it's nice to hear some people that have kind of dealt with it positively and maybe some things that you've learned to appreciate maybe having to take some time away from fighting.
0: We can go a couple different rabbit holes on, on this whole subject, but yeah, it was hard, man. Just, uh, you know, I felt like I was just on the rise and, and just barely like showcasing what I was capable of and it kind of got taken from me. So that was like the hardest part in the beginning. Like when you have your identity just kind of taken away and, uh, not knowing like how long it's going to take. And for, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I dealt with some concussion issues uh, just for some context and. Um, They messed me up pretty good, man. I'm still not the same. You know, I still don't feel like, like 100%. But anyways, like for for the most part is, is just to enjoy life because beforehand I would, I lived in the gym, man. When you're an athlete and when you, when you're a competitor, like that's all you do. Like I didn't care about chicks. Like I didn't care about having fun, like having fun was cool. But like, all I wanted to do was train and get better. And, you know, after a fight, the next day I was in the gym. If I wasn't injured, like I was, I was doing something the next day um, staying in shape, staying ready. And it was almost like, uh, an addiction. Um, uh, well, it was an addiction, and I, you know, and like I needed it. I needed that, 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 that feeling. So when it got taken from me, it was pretty hard, but thankfully that, uh, I had teaching and, and coaching to fall back on. And, you know, the guys, uh, believed in me and, um, you know, were able to see what, you know, what I was able to do from just what I did in my, in my fights or from training. And they had something that, you know, I had something to, to, to offer them. And I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm still able to be involved and help out. It's, it's definitely not the same. You know, I'm, I'm walking behind the fighter now instead of like walking, me and the guy walking in front, but I'm okay with it now for a while. It was hard for me to, to, to like, ah, oh man, like, oh Chris, you're going to fight again. Are you retired or you? know? I was like, Oh no, I'll be yeah. back. Like I'll be back. And like, that was all that, that little I'll be back was like really messing with me. So once I was like able to like tell myself, like, I'm not going to fight again, like it's not worth it to me. Um, Once I was able to kind of like mentally do that, like things started to turn that corner. So I'm trying to, how I can like pull that all together to like help somebody else. I think just being resilient and and, and trying to figure out like if, if one thing doesn't work out, um, you know, keep your head up and, you know try to focus your energy on, on the positive and not the negative that this could have went totally opposite. You know, I could have turned into a fucking drug addict or an alcoholic and just let it ruin my life. Uh, cause fighting got taken away from me, but just being resilient, being resilient and not giving up on, on life. Cause you know, you can give up on little things, but don't yeah. give up on yourself and on life. And I'm just happy. I'm still able to be on the mat. I'm still able to roll and, you know, give back.
1: Yeah. It must be tough when you have such clear goals to have to all of a sudden, adjust them, especially when it's not something that's even your fault, you know.
0: Yeah, it sucks, man. Like, I know I would have been champion. That's just, that's just my thing. Like, I know I just know deep down in my heart, I would have been champion. And yeah. it's kind of like, oh, that, you're saying that, and you didn't didn't happen. But I feel like in my heart, and my brain, like I would have been UFC champion. But it's what it is. Like I've I've helped other people win the UFC championship. You know, I've been in over 30 UFC corners now, you know, and plenty of other corners and helping people. And I'm changing lives, like not only the the, the MMA aspect, but like with jujitsu, man, like you don't know how many, like I got a white belt army now, man, like there are 60 people in my class last night. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying it to like, all those lives are being changed by jujitsu, just like me in your life was was changed by jujitsu. I know that the, the change you can go through when you catch that jujitsu bug, confidence, everything, everything in life it changes you. So if I can just do that for some people, like I'm happy.
1: Yeah. And those people need you to show up with passion and enthusiasm as well. So that would help, I think. So it's probably a big blessing to have the coaching really there as well.
0: Yeah. It helps when like your guys, like they, they buy into you, you know what I mean? They believe in you. Like, you know, they see you go fucking win a big tournament. They're like, damn, my instructors, my instructor's good or whatever. But there's a lot of good instructors out there. Like I'm sure John never really competed, you know, like, or maybe he did back in the day, but I don't necessarily think you have to be a great competitor to be a good coach or a good instructor. It's good to have both.
1: Yeah. And so have you officially retired from MMA then? Like, are you sad at still testing you?
0: No. So thank man. They stopped testing me like <laughs> six months. Dude, I was getting tested by them for, for five years. Like, wow. And it was just annoying. Like there's nothing for me to hide. It's not like I fuck. Like, oh yeah, they're not, let yeah. me get on the cycle. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like the thing was they would just knock on your door at five, six in the morning, like when you're trying to sleep. And I just didn't like that. But I'm happy, man. Like I, I went to see this doc because I was like, man, let me give him one more shot at this whole recovery thing. What went to see this this therapist and we did a bunch of stuff and it definitely helped some of the uh the lingering things I was going through. Yeah. But whatever the doc wrote to the UFC, like literally like the day or after that, like, yeah. like, all right, man, we're releasing you. <laughs> I was like. Thank you. Like I've been trying to get you guys to release me all these years, but they just didn't. I don't know why they wouldn't, but yeah, I'm released, dude. I'm retired, man. Like you only get one brain and I I don't have the brain that I used to. And the confidence that I used to of running through anything. Like I used to have the, like punch me, kick me. Like I have the yeah. hard head. Like I'm just going to get, not I'm going to come back. Like I just had that type of attitude and you need that in MMA. And, um, I'm, I know and I'm mature enough to know and smart enough to know that like I don't have that anymore. You know, like I don't want my brain, I don't want my brain to get fucking smashed anymore.
1: And it's good with jujitsu. You can go pretty hard and you're pretty safe as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I limit, I, I definitely don't go with like crazy aggro partners anymore. Like, uh, and you know how it is, man. Like you get, you get I'm you learning in, that as well. You get in your thirties. Like I start picking, choosing partners. Like just cause for me, I don't have health insurance, and like I wanna, if I, I wanna be on the mat every day, like if if I'm rolling super hard every day with the best guys, like you're gonna get injured. You know, there, there are some guys that can do that. Like I know guys that are like, dude, like how are you not injured, man? You're just in here grinding, grinding with the toughest guys. But for me, I know my body. You know, just like you should know your body. Like I know how to pull things back and still get better by roll. You know, rolling not always super hard, but technical. and, and, and picking, picking your partners that, um, that you feel like you're not going to get injured with.
1: And so if you had any short advice for MMA fighters who are starting off and maybe especially ones who are starting off without a big city or a big team or people behind them, and they believe that they have the ability and that they have the desire to make it to the UFC and make it to a top level, what advice would you give them?
0: Believe in yourself is, is number one. Like if you don't believe in yourself, like you're not gonna get anywhere in life. And that goes for any type of competitive stuff you're gonna do. Um, you know, believe in yourself, believe in your training and believe in your coaches. I think it's important to find a a good find good people to surround yourself with. So if that's gonna be a mentor or a coach or, you know, higher belts you're training with, if you can't find a coach, do your research in your area and try to find some reputable gyms or academies or whatever you're going to do and don't be afraid to try a couple places out like don't you know you don't have to go to one place and be like oh i went here like i don't want no try a couple places that's the cool thing about nowadays is like there's jujitsu kind of all over now and you can you can kind of pick and choose like you know if you have two places check them both out and and see you know what instructor you like better what vibe you like better and you know i think it's important to have fun when you go to the gym and train and uh you know, just make sure you, you feel, you feel that when you're there.
1: That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Chris, for coming on. I really, it was a big pleasure now talking to you today. Thanks very much. Oh
0: man, for sure. I still want to talk about some, uh, some training stuff. How'd you get so good at leg locks? Like, did you just spend time just starting in certain positions and just kind of going at a lower, slower pace and working out of them? Cause I'm trying to do that now with my guys and, and for myself in general, cause you know, I want to get better at the, all the leg attacks as well and defense too. And, I, and I'm just like, how, how can I structure this to where like I'm getting the most of most out of it?
1: The biggest thing was probably the specific training. Like that's one of my favorite ways to train. I would do a lot of rounds from the specific training and we would, I would make sure to teach everyone the best defenses. So all my partners, I was lucky that I had very consistent training partners most of my career was just me and my friend that I was telling you about earlier. I would always teach him and my other training partners the best defenses and make them all good. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I try and rear a choke any of them, it is absolutely impossible. Their defense from the back and their leg lock defense is so high level. It's insane. And that's just from all the specific training we were doing. So I think it's a mix of being lucky to be a bit ahead of the curve, having good partners that are consistent and I trust them, and then kind of sticking with
0: it over years
1: and the specific training, I suppose.
0: Like just starting in like 50-50 or starting in outside or saddle or just starting in certain heel hook positions.
1: Yeah. And I think as well, a lot of the ways I do joint locks are, no one ever gets injured with joint locks. Like even when we do our, like arm lock or knee bar or heel hook, we don't actually finish them in training. We just hold hold the grip and if you can hold it for three seconds, that's a submission.
0: Wow, I like that.
1: It lets the person defend it.
0: I like that.
1: That's one of the biggest ways that I've seen people improve. And that's wow. how all my... Fr- I've never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Especially for heel hooks because they're so dangerous. But yeah. the same with arm bars. Yeah. So you'll just extend the arm and just hold it and just try and control them. And I'll actually let the person start to move and escape. And I'll try follow and change my leg configurations and see if I can control them. And if Dude, they get out...
0: That's brilliant. I'm pissed. <laughs> like, I'm,
1: I'm pissed they get out, but... <laughs> I still know that I'm on the right track and next time I do it, I'll be ready for the, the heel one is very important. I just try and hold, hold the false grip and.
0: Yeah. Cause I get, I get scared people getting injured. Um, cause they like today I, I went over just like the knee cut and the back step, like the shelving the leg. And I just showed the it, Craig taught a seminar at our, at our, at our gym and pretty much showed what he showed. And it was nice. And, but I was letting the guys know I, when I saw them trying to heal it, they're like ripping it when they respond. I was like, guys, like, I do not want you guys like going into these heel hooks super hard. If, like, like if you get a heel hook, like look him in the eyes and like, hey, like I got like, and then let go. You know what I mean? Like let them know you have it and then you can let go and transition. But like, I don't want you fucking ripping these, you know, like, but the younger, younger guys not experienced, they don't understand.
1: The way I always say it is get the heel and then pin them. So if you can control them, like stop them moving and have the heel for three seconds, then you win. And I, I always try and tell them to do it with one hand as well.
0: Do you think you set up majority of your leg locks from passing or from like your butterfly guard? Usually from the bottom,
1: but I have a bottom, lot of entries huh? now. Yeah, usually yeah. from the bottom because that's one of the things that help then you can win, win the fights from the bottom. I actually prefer passing and taking the back. And yeah, so do I. So do using I. Using the body lock, but yeah. it's just, sometimes it's so easy to just, pull guard and submit someone with a leg.
0: Look. Yeah. yeah. It's harder for me to like get in that inverting game now. You know what I mean? Like it, it's great for jujitsu, but I, I'm trying to force myself to play more of the spinning under inversion, tacking the legs. Uh, but I'm always just trying to wrestle people or like lift and sweep and come up on the legs. But I'm trying to fix, you know, mess around a little bit more with the new age yeah. stuff.
1: I think even just getting good at the 50, 50 and the single leg X guard and doing some, some drills i used to do a lot of i think danaher calls them gravity drills but i i've been doing them for years
0: before he before he was even showing those. yeah
1: because my old coach used to do a lot of them before um but i i think a lot of people were doing those kind of drills danaher has more complicated ones now but those are really good to get really efficient at the like the body yeah. position and yeah. you can keep your hips close to their hips then yeah so you don't lose control
0: it's cool how i watch some of these instructionals and like you'll see certain instructors like donnaher for example and I'll notice a lot of his stuff is kind of based off of Marcelo's. Marcelo's some of this, st- right? Yeah. Okay, so we see that too, right? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, cause I I was a really like Mark was a really big Marcelo guy, and like even me, like as a blue belt, like I watched all of Marcelo's stuff, his DVDs. Same. So I really like the single leg X and the X guard and, and arm drags and you know the back and stuff too. So yeah, man, I, I just noticed, and I'm like, this kind of like looks like Marcelo's game, kind of, but then Donohue throws his own spin on things, you know. Like I watch wrestling and it's like, it's just like jujitsu. Everything has like little details, little techniques and it's all the same. It's just different, different sport. You know what I mean? Like they have their own way of doing things and details and techniques. It's just so fascinating to me. Just like watching wrestling at the highest level or jujitsu at the highest level. Just because we know what it takes to kind of like be somewhat good. But then when you got guys that are like that good, you're like, fuck, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm thankful that jujitsu. I feel like it taught me how to learn things well
0: same thing with me man yeah same thing with me like and that goes for anything like I've gotten into other hobbies like I've been yeah. trying to shoot a lot more and, and stuff like that but I think jujitsu has helped me kind of like learn at a at a faster rate because like I know what I need to learn you know like I understand like the learning process now
1: there you have it thanks again to Chris for coming on the show and sharing the amount of experience he has. I don't think there's many people in the jiu-jitsu community that have been in the game this long and have as much experience as Chris in both jiu-jitsu and fighting professional MMA at the highest level. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. It really helps a lot. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest with some great stories to tell. Until then, Slana agus bannacht.